It's Football Friday. Welcome to Across the Line. After a two-week hiatus, we are back and we are back with a bang, Chris. Huge talking points here today as we discuss the AFC draws. AFC draw, Champions League, AFC Cup. Who would have thought this was possible um, You know, a few months ago? It's yeah, super exciting times for, for any fan of UCFC, any fan of Kaya. Um, some big names, aren't there, that we're going to be witnessing on the sidelines, on the pitch. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's such a great time to be a Philippine football fan. It's a shame that it's so far away because um, now we've had the draw. I was, I was excited to, to, to see us back on the pitch and back in action. But um, no, just really excited. Some some exciting prospects for, for both teams. And uh, yeah, Champions League football, who would have thought it? Yeah, talking about, you know, the opposition of the clubs in this one, sort of the pathway for Kaya into the Champions League as well as their AFC Cup draw. Um, we go through a lot in this one. So if you are interested in how things will, will unfold for the teams that are competing continentally, this is definitely an episode for you. If you enjoy the conversation, we definitely encourage you to subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts, and we are on social media as well. We appreciate all the messages you guys send our way. Please do continue to do so on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. Without further ado, here is the discussion regarding the AFC draws here on your Football Friday. Enjoy. We're back. We've been gone for a minute, but Across the Line is here, and we're coming back with an episode that discusses one of the most exciting things to look forward to early in the year. The AFC draws have just concluded both the Champions League and the AFC Cup, and we've got a clear picture of what lies ahead for the Philippines' top two clubs, United City FC and Kaya FC Iloilo. We're so glad to be back. Jing Hamlang here with Chris Greatwich as usual. How's it going, Chris? You're very good, Jing. Very good. Um, refreshed from a from a short vacation, um, but uh, upon arriving from a vacation, it's been a little bit hectic um, here with work. Uh, that tempered with um, some late guest cancellations and, and busy work schedules has meant we've had a couple of weeks off. But it but it's good to be back, um, and, and especially discussing a, a topic that maybe a few months ago, maybe a few years ago, didn't even seem possible. You know, mm -hmm. talking about Champions League teams from the Philippines. I mean, it's just crazy. It's, it's um, from the doom and gloom and sort of the mid point of last year to where we are now is, is, is just night and day. So yeah, really, really excited to, to see the draw. Obviously some, some big names, big clubs involved with those. So um, yeah, I guess it's about time that we discussed this because it was an episode that we probably never thought we would ever record, uh, um, you know, certainly at the mid part of last year. So here it is, the highest level of club football. Uh, Philippine clubs have access to it now. And the competition has been expanded. So there's 40 teams now that are involved in the Champions League. Uh, there's an added group that has been placed in there. And uh, what we're seeing is United City FC about to make history, being the first Philippine club in the group stages. Now we've had qualifying rounds in the past. Global participated in 2017. Ceres did as well on a, on a few occasions and, and got quite far. We're knocking on the door of the group stage, but they never actually made it through. Now, for the reward for winning last year's PFL, they moved through into the Champions League group stage. And what a welcome it is, Chris. They're up against Kawasaki Frontale, which is the champions of the J-League. They're up against yep. Guangzhou, 
coached by Fabio Cannavaro, of course, and all kinds of big names there. And they're waiting on the playoff winner between a Korean side in Daegu FC and uh, a Thai side in Shanghai United. So <laughs> no gimmies in that group. In fact, United City, um, by far the underdogs in this one. Yeah, when I saw that draw, I mean, obviously the, the points you made are absolutely the, the sort of the things that jump out at you straight away. You know, Guangzhou Evergrande, obviously, uh, Guangzhou FC, um, coached by Fabio Capello, someone who is familiar with, with the Philippine shores, having come across to do the, uh, the Clear Dream match many, many years ago. Um, so he'd be familiar to, to the Philippine football fans, as well as obviously his exploits with, with Italy and, and with the Chinese national team. Um, I mean, that, they're a formidable, formidable opponent. I think looking at, uh, you know, obviously the, the Chinese league has suffered in, in recent years. They're perhaps not as, in terms of the bank rolled how they were probably three or four years ago, but they still have some big stars, some big name players in that roster. So yeah, absolutely a, a formidable task. I mean, as it was before with Ceres, they, they'd been to China before, um, you might have to help me with the with the pronunciation of the, of, of um, Jin Jin. Is that is that a good pronunciation of? Yeah, I'll probably won't do any better. So that's the one. We'll just stick with it. Okay. Yeah. So in terms of the the, the Ceres boys, UCFC boys, they they've had an experience of playing against um, Chinese clubs before. Um, but I mean, Kawasaki Frontali, the the, the J League champions. I mean, that's also going to be. Uh, an equally tough task. So, uh, yeah, unenviable is, is probably how I would describe <laughs> them, uh, their draw, you know. But to be honest with you, you look at the other pots and the other teams that are involved. I mean, this is what you want, really, isn't it? You want to go against the best teams in, in, in Asia um, because Philippine clubs have been fighting for it for so long. So I think it almost would have been a... It would have been a shame if we had not gone up, up against some of these big hitters, these, these, these super clubs of, 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 of Asian football. So... Um, yeah, we eagerly await to see who, which, which which club rounds out that group. Obviously, the, the Korean side or, or the Thai team. Um, but either way you skin it, that's that's a, that's a very very tough group. But I'm sure I saw Bienve's post yesterday. He seems like he's chomping at the bit to to pit his wits against the best teams in Asia. So now, really exciting to see that draw, and, and, and really exciting to see some of those teams hopefully um, come to the Philippines, depending on how that all transpires. Uh, I think we're five minutes in and we're one apiece. We've murdered two things already. One is I said frontale and not frontale. Thank you for that correction. And earlier you said it was Fabio Capello who is in charge. No, no, Fabio, really? It's Sorry, Canavaro. Yeah. There you go. All right. But uh, to your point, I think um, initially when you look at it, it's like, geez, Louise, this is a tough group. Getting out of that seems almost impossible. But when you have a think at it and look back, it's like, this is exactly what you want. You want to taste the elite of Asian club football, you might as well go up against the very best, right? You might as well touch on um, the guys who have been there for many, many years and who have actually been trying to win that trophy and not just be a part of the competition. So this is it. You want a taste of the best? You're going to get it. And the Philippine public will also get the opportunity now to see what club football really looks like in these places where they're trying to close the gap with Europe. Right? These are the guys who are trying to move and hopefully be competitive with the, the huge clubs in Europe. So um, they're pushing in that direction. And now UCFC, who dominated the PFL last year, 
we're going to see just how far the gap is. I think it's going to be a treat for everyone. Yeah. I mean, has there been any news regarding how that's all going to play out? Is it, is it going to be a home and away uh, type format? Was any of that kind of information disclosed at the, um, at the draw yesterday? Yes. Glad you asked. Uh, centralized venues were mentioned uh, in the lead up as well during the official draw. However, where that venue is going to be has yet to be finalized, right? So they mentioned a bidding process that is going to take place uh, immediately after the draw. So I presume countries where the pandemic has not hit as hard will be the ones who will be throwing their hat into the mix, right? Uh, there have been some rumors that have been thrown out. Obviously, Qatar hosted the Champions League last year. Um, so that is a venue that is being talked about. Um, but also India have thrown their hat into the mix. There are a few nations that have already um, shown interest. Uh, Home games in the Philippines, unfortunately, what we were hoping for uh, when we talked about the Champions League or the prospect of it last year was to see some of these big clubs play at Rizal Memorial Stadium. Unfortunately, I really don't see that as a potentiality. Yeah, that's a real shame. Obviously, we would love to have seen some of these big hitters, um, you know, come to the Philippines. But obviously, yeah, with, with the pandemic, I think we should just be happy, um, you know, that it looks like that we're going to proceed with um, with the 2020 a 2021 um, Champions League um, competition. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense having that that centralised um, competition. Obviously, we saw it in Qatar um, back end of last year, and I think it worked quite well. I was talking to um, to Matt Acton, who was obviously involved um, with um, with his side in Melbourne, and, and they really enjoyed um, the sort of camaraderie of, of, of that sort of centralised uh, competition, almost kind of like a you know a World Cup, European Championship or Asian Cup type format, which I think it fostered quite a nice um, sort of camaraderie amongst the teams. But um, yeah, I just think it's, it's, it is a bit of a shame though, isn't it, Jing, not, not to, to see some of these guys on, on Philippine shores because I mean, we, some of the Chinese guys we would have seen um, him and Bacolod obviously for the... Um, um, for the World Cup qualifiers. So, so that was great to see them up close and personal. But, you know, you want to see some of these, you know, the Paulinho's of this world come and, and play here. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, a little bit of a shame, a little bit of a shame to miss out on that opportunity, I think. Yeah, unfortunate for the fans, really. That's who I feel it will be uh, the most hard done by. But still, um, they'll be able to see it on TV or on online, wherever it may be uh, available. Uh, the big question mark, however, is where are the qualifying rounds going to take place, where Kaya FC Iluilo is a part of, right? For finishing in the runners-up position in the last league, they qualified for a qualifying round, um, uh, a preliminary round, actually, in the qualifiers. So they are going to go play Brisbane Roar on April 7th, and then the week after, they're going to play, if they win, or whoever the winner is, will play a Chinese side, Beijing FC, just a week after. Now, for anyone who has been traveling around during this COVID time, there are quarantine periods. There are restrictions in place as to who can and cannot enter. So all of these things need to be thought about and juggled and, and, and put into the equation as to how these games are going to take place. So that is a huge question mark as to how that is all going to take place. But the fact remains, there are two clubs vying for uh, Champions League glory, so to speak. Uh, Kaya looking to get their foot into the door, but it's going to be a tough road, Chris. They've got Brisbane and Beijing uh, potentially if they win that first match. Yeah, I'm sure 
Brisbane Raw are not going to want uh, Lightning to strike twice, are they? So, um, you know, they've they've been taught a lesson already um, with with Ceres obviously beating them in the qualifying round uh, a few years back. So, yeah, I'm sure they're not going to take any Philippine team lightly. Another interesting side, I know uh, Joey Chompless is, is, is down on their roster uh, on loan from um, Newcastle Jets. I don't know how that, that, that was sort of work with that but a little bit of a Filipino connection there I know there was also rumours that he'd, he'd given up football to pursue a music career um, but just a, an, an interesting side note there um, with, a, with a little bit of a Philippine connection but that may or may not transpire I don't know how uh, how that, that will kind of work out but yeah who was just, that sorry who was that Chris? Joey Chantness yeah so one of the guys who's, who's on the Philippine uh, radar uh, played a multitude of games in the A-League um He's very much into his music. So um, Matt Acton, again, knows him pretty well uh, and said that, yeah, there, there were rumours that he'd given up football to um, to pursue a music career. So I, I don't know. He, although he's down on their roster, um, I, I'm not sure if he will feature in this game anyway. So, um, But just, just in case, if he does play, there is, a, there is an interesting sort of Philippine side note there and, and connection with, with Brisbane Raw. Um, Gone down the yeah, gold route, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really unique, um, unique pathway. But yeah, maybe more Memphis Depay. I don't know. I think that's more his scene. <laughs> I don't think he's, he's doing any acoustic guitar pieces. But um, yeah, it, it, looking at it, I mean, like you said, the logistical issues, you know, I mean, it's interesting to see how that's all going to pan out. Um, just even just to get that game played, I think that's going to be an interesting sort of side note. But you know, obviously looking at it objectively, you would assume that an Australian A-League side would, would um, you know, would be the favourite in that encounter. And then obviously then Kyle would move back into um, the AFC Cup proceedings where they've been at home for the, you know, the last few seasons now. And even they've got some in, an, an interesting group, haven't they? With, with some some really strong Philippine football connections. So, um yeah. We've got Terengganu, uh, Gaylang and, and Shan United. So teams there that they're familiar with in more ways than one. What, what did you make of that potential grouping if they were to drop down into the AFC Cup uh, competition? So they moved into Group I in the AFC Cup. I think all in all, the way I felt about it while the draw was happening, that I was quite happy with it, you know, because when you look at pot two, where so Kaya was in pot one, consider the top seed actually in this entire competition, which was a bit of a shock to me. Um, more on that a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. But um, in the same pot was Keda and Hanoi. So obviously we would not be grouped with the same top seeds. But in the second pot, there was Lion City Sailors, which was formerly Home United. So familiar club, but this year they've been uh, rebranded as Lion City Sailors with a huge and a uh, huge owner, right? A, a quite rich, ma a wealthy man who has injected a lot of money into the club. So now they've, they've, they've announced three big signings on the bounce, uh, a Brazilian, a couple Brazilians, I think, and another European. So they're really starting to break the bank. So Lion City Sailors were going to be a dangerous test. So it's nice to avoid them. Bali United, obviously the champions of Indonesia, uh, also a tough test. Um, both have been avoided. Instead, you're going to face Shan United, which, you know, obviously they're tough. They're champions of Myanmar, but Kai already beat them last year and uh, kind of familiar with how they play, right? Terengganu, however, is, the is a sign of the return of Malaysian clubs in the AFC Cup, which they've been gone 
for a little bit of time because of some controversy with their federation and how their league was happening, um, licensing issues and this and that. So uh, a nice welcome return to the level of Malaysian football, which is kind of an unknown to Philippine clubs. Aside from Johor Darul Tazim, there hasn't been a lot of exposure with Malaysian clubs and Filipino clubs. So Terengganu is going to be kind of a, a, a big question mark. However, there is a bit of a Philippine connection, as you said, right? Carly de Morga recently moved there, Philippine international and a, a mainstay for Sayas Negros and potentially a chance to face against Jordan Minta, who was a part of the Terengganu setup as well. Although I, I believe in the, lower, in, in the lower team, although he has jetted back and forth between the first team and the second team. So Jordan Minta is in there as well. And then of course, lastly is Geylang International. Singaporean club, which means, you know, somewhat familiar because the coaches like to keep their eye on the S League, but I don't know too much about Geylang International, to be honest. No, I mean, obviously we, we, we probably had more uh, awareness around them before when you had the, you know, Daniel Bennett was there before, uh, Mark Hartman was there before, wasn't he? So we kind of had a bit of a a closer eye on that that league when when those guys were were involved in in uh, in, the, in the S League, but yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, Shane United have to beat. Um, is, is it? Um, they have. They're in the qualification, right, for the um, yeah. for the qual- uh, for the Champions League qualifiers as well. Champions League, yeah. So, and who have they got again? Sorry, Gene. Uh, I believe they were up against um, Melbourne Victory. Let me check that real quick. Melbourne City. Yeah. Melbourne City is who they're up against. Yeah, so again, with an Australian team. So, I mean, yeah, if we play devil's advocate here, we, we would assume that, that they would be, you know, likely too strong for, for Shan United. And that would then round out the group. Obviously, Iowadi is, is the team, if, if they were to progress, yeah. that they would miss lots. So it's going to be a team from Myanmar either way. But, but Shan United, obviously, were familiar with, with Kai last year. Um, in, in the opening fixture, Kaya managed to um, uh, obviously prevail in, in that particular game. Um, and then, yeah, I think the Terengani one, Terengani one's quite interesting because obviously you've got you had like Adam Reed at Pahang last year. So you know, I had sort of had one eye on that league a little bit this last season. Um, but, but really, all eyes have been on the Thai league, hasn't it, with regards to Philippine players? We, we, most of them have been there. So I, I think, although an unknown quantity, and like you said, Jordan Minter playing mostly with the with the second team last year, um, but it's a club that we're familiar with now, with, with, with Carly joining their, their roster. Um, I think it's really interesting because I think that dynamic of having a, a inter-country, inter-club rivalry, um, you know, is needed. You know, like you said, JDT and Ceres had that that sort of head-to-head for three or four years and that was really, really exciting. But now both of those teams have sort of propelled themselves into a different stratosphere and that likelihood is, you know, it's going to be unlikely they're going to cross paths too too frequently now. Um, so it'd be nice to have that sort of inter-city, inter-club, uh, inter-country rivalry um, again. And I think that, that that friction with the Singaporean clubs is starting to come to fruition now. Uh, obviously, Kai and Home United have been drawn against each other a few times. Even Ceres had their, 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 their head-to-heads with them. So, yeah, I think it's quite an interesting group. But like you said, Kai being the number one seeds, I mean, they'd have to fancy getting out of that group. You know, obviously, I don't know what Coach Oshide is thinking about it. Um, you know, obviously, he doesn't want to show his hand too early. But, I mean, I think that group is definitely one that they could potentially get out of. It isn't like it was maybe a few years ago where you were up against the likes of, you know, a Kitschy or even last year, you know, the, the group I would argue was, was probably harder. This is a is, this is a winnable group for Kaya. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly, um, you know, they haven't got the headline acts of like your home United that we've had in, had in previous years. So 
yeah, I, I think I, I would assume, looking at it from the outside, looking in, that, that Coach Ashide was probably looking at it thinking, you know what, this is a group we can potentially qualify out of, which I think will be huge, which will be huge for, for the domestic game. Because obviously, yeah, we, we've seen Ceres dominate, dominate at, that, at, the, at the sort of AFC Cup level in recent years. So I think it would be nice to see another club potentially go out and, and look to challenge in this particular competition. And here's something interesting about the scheduling as well, right? Uh, the group stages don't start until June, uh, late June, if I'm not mistaken, right? June 22 or something like this, right? So if, if, if Kaya plays in the qualifier on the 7th of April, that means the squad is together, right? They've got the Copa Paulino Alcantara, which is set to, to start late April, early May. So for the first time ever, the Philippine clubs are actually going to be playing before the group stages begin, right? Because normally it's like you're from preseason, you play your first two games in the AFC Cup where you're all fresh and still kind of figuring things out, and then the league starts. So it's always been a bit of a disadvantage for Philippine clubs to start in February or March, right, uh, in terms of the AFC Cup. Now this is going to be a team that will have gelled a little bit, will have had an opportunity to play together before going into the group stages as an added um, wrench into the regular flow of things, this is going to be a centralized competition as well because of the pandemic, right? So then you're going to have all of these clubs together in one centralized venue and it's going to be World Cup style, Suzuki Cup style, um, a different dynamic, right? So um, it's going to be very interesting, right? There's not going to be any home field advantage for any of the clubs. Well, I guess it depends what centralized venue it will be, mm. but it's going to be an interesting dynamic and fast paced. You're going to play three games in seven days, something of this nature. Right. So is that, I'm, is that what it's going to be Jing? Is in terms of the format? So you think, is it going to be a single round Robin? Is that, yeah, is that what's yeah, going to be? Yeah. So it's just going to be a single round Robin and then straight into the knockout round. So high stakes. I would argue that again, we'll probably play into, into Kaya's hands. Um, you know, like, Looking at it in previous years, obviously, when you go into like a PSM, I think the, the dynamic is slightly different because it wasn't played in the main stadium. But yeah. you know, when you when you're going into like these Indonesian hot houses where you know you're going to have sixty thousand people, then it's a distinct disadvantage. Right. You know, when you're bringing them back to the Philippines and you're playing in front of a couple of hundred people. Um, so yeah, if it's in that centralized venue, I think Filipino teams typically have managed to handle those types of scenarios very well. You know, those sort of quick fire turnarounds, you know, like, uh, I mean, obviously they've had the experience of it recently with the, um, um, with, with the recent PFL season, you know, maybe, maybe that's hopefully you've learned your lesson a little bit with that. You know, maybe you're not going to be going like resting guys for, for the big game. You might have to go all guns blazing from the get go. But I also think, I think Filipino players are quite resilient. So I think when they're in that type of scenario, I think they're quite good at, even though the, your back's against the wall because you're playing, you know, it's a short turnaround with games, you're playing a multitude of games in a short period of time. You, know, you only have to look at Suzuki Cup group stages where we've always been consistent in getting out of it. And I think that, that consistency of playing games every two days doesn't really phase um, Filipinos. So um, I, I think, you know, a lot of times when you've got, big name stars who are coming over from Europe or coming over from South America when they're used to maybe spending a week preparing for a game. Sometimes those, sh those short turnarounds can, can come out to bite you in the, in the butt. So I'm excited, mate. I'm, I think that's a really, it's a good group. It's definitely one that they can get out of. And a lot of the things I think are in their favour if you want to look at it from, from a positive um, lens. So no, I, I'm definitely excited to see how that's going to transpire. 
Um, but you touched on something that I really want to uncover because I don't get it. Uh, we're talking a little bit off, off, off camera. So maybe you can perhaps shed a little bit of light on this because you said that the Kai was, was the number one seed mm-hmm. um, for, for the AFC Cup um, groups, group setting. How, how does that work? Can you, can you shed a little bit of light or do your best to anyway <laughs> explain how, how that, how that is, is actually the case? Because I'm, obviously, I'm looking at it and thinking there's clubs that are probably consistent, more consistently qualified for the, for the uh, group stages, have more consistently qualified for knockout rounds. Dare I say it, you know, won the competition. So, so how does that actually work in terms of having someone like Kai be the number one seed for, for this campaign? Right. I'm not going to presume to know all the ins and outs of how this mechanism is, is put in place by the AFC. But what I do know is that the teams alone are not graded as standalone entities, right? So it's not just, um, for example, Kaya and how they've done in the past three campaigns that they've been on. Um, it's not like that. It's about ranking first and foremost, the member association, which is uh, in our case, the Philippine Football Federation, right? Um, it, it will take into consideration how the league is doing. Did the league uh, accomplish the, the goals that were set out for it? Did it crown a champion? Did it get clubs qualified for the AFC competitions? And were those clubs properly licensed? Did they go through the proper regulations? In which case, what you will see in the Philippines is that there's a gap, right? You have the United City or the Ceres, and then you have Kaya uh, and the like. Uh, at the time, there was also what? Loyola, Miralco Sparks, um, and... Um, who else was 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 on the first spot? I think global, global at, at the time were also looking into it, right? So you had four clubs there that were licensed clubs, um, went through all the regulations and whatnot, and that is a big plus with regards to the ranking with AFC, right? So the reason why Malaysian clubs, for example, where you would imagine, and, and Indonesian clubs, where you would imagine the culture is so much more ahead of the Philippines and their structure has been around for much longer. In fact, when you look at their leagues, how many teams are there in the top flight? So many, right? I believe in in Indonesia, it's like 20. But the thing is, how many of those clubs are licensed to go to AFC Cup competition, right? Um, I believe Simon McMenemy's team won the the, the title in in Indonesia, but did not have the proper requirements in place in order to be licensed into AFC Cup competition. That will go against your member association because your member association is not responsible enough to get their their members in in place, right? So in AFC's mind, that is a negative, minus points for you, right? So we might be six clubs in the Philippines, but they haven't had any issues with us. And they have Ceres Negros who has been ramping up our quotation because they've been getting out of their group stages. They've been winning ASEAN's uh, zonal finals and semifinals and getting into the finals again, um, knocking on the door of the Champions League, all of that. So that will push up the coefficient or the quotient for Philippine uh, member association. And that's the reason why I believe we are at the top right now. So say what you like about Philippine football and the turmoil that has surrounded us, but the teams that are at the top and looking to vie for places in Asia, they were taking the right boxes, right? They're doing what's necessary to become licensed, right? So sometimes it boggles your mind, especially for the individuals who are part of Kaya and Ceres in the past, that, that clubs like Hanoi, for example, had an issue with the AFC Cup and, and other big clubs uh, that you don't see the procedures, the PSMs, for example, they will have to go through a qualifying round 
That's like, it blows your mind. 60,000 people in their stadium. Why are they going through a qualifying round? Well, it's because of the structure, right? They don't have their structure in place or they didn't tick the right boxes. It's incompetence to a certain degree. So that's what it has led to that. So basically, Filipino clubs are really good at administration. That's, yeah. that's the best. That's the lesson learned here. They, they've okay. picked it up. They've picked it up quickly, right? Because we we've had to do we've had to learn quickly. They've been there. Yeah. They've had the history of doing it. But the Philippine clubs learn on the job very fast. So that's that's okay. a yeah that's a, that's a, a a nice feather in the cap for Philippine organizations. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Jing. Because I, I, I again we we discussed this a little bit uh, before we started the episode, and I know for a lot of fans, you know, when you see it on the message boards, on the Facebook groups and stuff, it's something that people don't really understand. I think it's such a complex um, thing that the coefficient, you know, that I don't think anyone really fully understands it, but I think that that, that gives us a, a little idea uh, and a bit of an insight to how it works. So uh, yeah, and that, that would that would make more sense as to why we would, would be sort of ranked number one um, for, for that competition. So that's interesting. And then is it still um, like an East and West type setup for, yes. for, the, for the AFC Cup this, this time around? Yeah. yeah. Plus an added group that they've just uh, included this year. So um, expanded also, uh, aside from the Champions League, expanding to 40 teams, the AFC Cup has expanded to 39 teams with an additional group, which is the central group, right? So now there is a west zone, a central zone, a south zone, an east zone, and a, and a, a CN zone for, for the AFC Cup. So it's a little bit more complicated with regards to the AFC Cup with the Champions League. It's just West and East, right? So you, yeah. they're, they're separated in that fashion. But there's just so many regions in, um, in this Asian area that you really need to make concessions for that or else logistically it becomes a nightmare. And then should kind of qualify out the group, dare I say it, what's the next round? Like, how does that work? How many people are in that ASEAN, ASEAN zone? Uh, we have three groups in the ASEAN zone. Uh, so that would be, yeah, groups F, sorry, uh, G, H, and I, whoever wins that, it'll be the, the top three, I believe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The top, uh, the, the table toppers plus the best runner up will move through okay. into the next round and then they'll have a, uh, a semifinal within that. And then a final, uh, within the ASEAN zone before you move into the interzonal situation right. with the other, okay. uh, regions. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. Really interesting. I think that's quite a, quite an exciting prospect for, um, you know, for Kaya. And yeah, I, I think that they've got, they've got real potential there. So and I'm really looking forward to seeing some familiar faces as well. You know, like I'd love to see Carly um, compete on, on that level. Um, obviously we, we, we saw him donning the, the Sarah shirt and doing so well leading that team. So yeah, it'd be great to see him represent, um, you know, a, a new team, a new country. And uh, yeah, maybe if we see Jordan Minton in action, that, that would be great too. Um, again, that would be a bit of a weird sight, but um, no, I think that'd be really, really exciting to see him potentially suit up. Um, but yeah, and I totally agree with your other points as well. I think Philippine teams have always been behind the eight ball, you know, when it when it's come to the early rounds of AFC competitions, and you know, to, to enable it to be in the middle of the season should should allow them to have a little bit of momentum going into it. So. Who knows? Who knows? But, it, but it's certainly exciting to see how, uh, how that, that, that whole competition is going to transpire for, for Kaya and, and obviously for UCFC as well from the Champions League end. The interesting thing, Chris, now from this point onwards, however, is going to be keeping a hawk eye on the movement of those two clubs, right? With regards to 
player signings. Now, because of the pandemic situation, we weren't sure when last season was going to happen and when it was going to end and when this season was going to start, right? So therefore, you would expect that these backroom staffs will have created um, an environment where long-term contracts aren't a thing, right? They're not going to benefit the club or the player for that matter if... Um, for example, the league didn't push through and you're on a long-term contract as a player. You're like, dude, I need to get out of here. I need to play. I need to go somewhere else in the same way that if you're a club, you don't want players as dead weight paying them without any competition. Right? So there has been this mutual agreement that there will be only loose, you know, um, verbal contracts out there. Verbal contracts don't translate to make or break agreements. Right? So, this is going to be interesting for the next few weeks and then in the months to come is who is going to be part of these rosters, right? Mm-hmm. Stefan Schrock, for example, captain, leader, main man. Is he on that roster? We don't know, right? We're not guaranteed that. What we do know is that Manny Ott's not going to be there, right? We know Bienve wants to come home and wants to be a part of it. But what about everybody else, right? I mean, you're not going to go to the Champions League and represent the way you want to with the likes of, Pocholo Bugas and some of these young guys, right? I mean, I'm sure they're going to be very excited and I'm sure they have something to showcase, but man, you need your big guns when you go up to these levels. And that's what we need to see is who are these big guns going to be? Who are we going to be able to, uh, to enjoy watching come out onto the pitch? So now it's the time for the coaching staffs and for the management to step up their game. This is their season. Their season begins now for the next two, three weeks. They got to get those signatures in, Chris. So that's well, or, or, or get the verbal agreements. I mean, that was a bit of a shocker. So, so you're saying that there is like uh, some sort of gentleman's agreement amongst the clubs that there will not be any kind of formal contracts. Is that what you're saying for these guys? No, no, no. I, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think there was an agreement between clubs. I just believe that um, getting into long-term contracts right now would be foolish. So I would presume that there has been a lot of agreements that have either elapsed already in terms of their contract duration but it's like we have an agreement between manager and player that we're still interested in you and once things become clear you're still part of this club but as with all verbal contracts those things are subject to a little bit of what if my head gets turned if i'm a player and there's an opportunity in malaysia my head gets turned there's an opportunity in thailand right you might jump ship you might jump ship so you don't know what's going to happen right and of course there's also the added element of pandemic issues, right? People who went home, how do you come, come back to the Philippines, right? If I bring you home close to the competition, you have a quarantine period, blah, blah, blah. There are so many things that are moving that you have to take into consideration. Yeah, I, I wouldn't fancy being a general manager or chairman of a club right now. Um, you know, if I'm a player right now, I'm saying, you want me that bad? You better give me a contract and you better pay me from day one. Mm. Right, irrespective of whether or not the, the season starts now, or it starts in June. Right, you want me to stay fit, you want me to stay ready, and you better pay me to do so. So if I'm a, if I'm a player, fine, listen to this podcast, get your affairs in order. Um, but yeah, if it's for the club, you know, yeah, I totally understand that where you're coming from. You know, if the league isn't going to start until prospectively April, was that what we're talking about here, Jing? Um, Late April, early May. Well, because of the, the confirmation that the Champions League is going to start, the, the group stage is going to be late April. I presume that the Copa Paulino Alcantara will be pushed back just a little bit to May, maybe, to yeah. accommodate UCFC's departure for 
the biggest stage, right? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that's that in itself is just going to be, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you're going to keep playing, paying players up until, you know, April, you know, before they're going to start preseason, you'd imagine, maybe March. Um, that's, that's a lot of money when you've got a 20 man roster, 24 man roster, you know, so. Yeah, I, I, it's an unenviable task for, for any GM or anyone trying to manage the, the books of a football club but from a player perspective. You know, you got it's your job, so you've got mouths to feed, you know, and um, that's that's got to be your priority as well. So, yeah, st- stuff that. I'm glad I'm not involved with that sort of side of things anymore. That, that is a massive, massive headache. And then like exactly what you said, temper that with all the other stuff. You know, how's Bienve going to get back in from Spain, you know? Um, has he got a pass, Philippine passport? Has he not got a Philippine passport? You know, all those types of logistical questions. How long's a quarantine, acquiring visas, are foreigners permitted back in the country if they leave to go to a central location to get back in? I mean, that's that's mind-boggling stuff. So I'm sure, you know, there's a, there's a lot of plates that are being spun and balls that are being juggled in the air. But um, yeah, I guess that's why GMs get paid to do that sort of stuff, right? So good um, luck for those guys trying to figure it all out. So if you're keeping a close eye on it, is this is an opportunity to find out who, who are the managers who are really good out there, who are savvy, who are able to pull off the deals. And here's an interesting tidbit that we didn't get a chance to talk about. In the virtual kickoff of the league two, two weeks ago, um, Eric Gochak had, had come out and said, uh, the CEO of United City, that the times where, break, uh, where Ceres Negros were breaking the bank to acquire players and talent, those days are over. He said that outright, that they're not going to be throwing around the same kind of money that they have been over the last couple of years. So, you know, that's that's a very interesting development with the landscape well, of Philippine would, football. Yeah, I mean, I would assume, you know, maybe we try and get Eric on the show um, to, to sort of divulge and you know, dig a bit deeper with that particular comment. Because, I mean, one would assume that, but I'm assu- I'd also assume that as a, as a club owner, you were hope, hoping and banking on the fact that if we qualify for the AFC Champions League, then we might get some juicy home ties. You know, we might be able to, you know, generate some some money from 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 that uh, in terms of gate receipts or merchandise or whatever. But that's obviously out the window more than likely. So yeah, it, it, just just by that alone, you know, if if your business model is is based upon or predicated on you potentially bringing in some revenue from that particular stream and it's not going to come then obviously you would need to readjust your business model but you know that that was obviously going to be a given down the road that they, they weren't going to be as free spending as they as they were which is kind of ironic because they've got to the to the promised land now so this is probably the time when they would need to do that in order to, to sustain that level of success so you know while that might still yield decent returns in terms of the domestic league. I think if, if the majority of that squad, even if some of the big hitters don't, don't come back, I still think they would probably have enough in their armory to still be very competitive at that, at the top end of the domestic league. But, you know, when you, when you go in against your Karasaki Fatales and your Guanjus and, you know, the like, you know, yeah, that's, that's going to be tough, even with the big hitters. So, yeah, yeah. I think I think that was a given. I, I, I'm not sure if that's as maybe as groundbreaking as when you initially thought, but yeah, I think it's a shame because I think had they had sort of continued on that that pathway, you know, you've seen JDT have been able to compete reasonably well since they've stepped up into that into that yeah. sort of um, you know that Champions League mix. They haven't obviously progressed as as maybe they would have liked to, but I think they're on the right path. 
so yeah, I, I think that's a given though that those days are over. And while it is, is a bit of a shame, maybe that fits into the model what we talked about before of having a more sustainable league moving forward yep. and then having you know, more parity, I would say, within within a domestic league, which, which might create a more exciting, you know, a more unpredictable domestic league as well. And it, it's, a, it's a better test for the managers as well, right? I mean, the conversation is going to be different with talent now. Before it was like, okay, you can come for me and this is what I can offer you. And then next door, somebody can offer you two, three times the salary. And there's not even a negotiation that needs to take place, right? Let me show you the figures that I'm capable of. Come on board, right? Now, United City need to negotiate, right? This time, they can't just throw money at the problem, which will create a little bit of parity. And also, it will test the craftiness of the managers, right? So I think for those, obviously, there's not going to be any action for a few months yet. Um, we're going to be looking at the off-season activity of these clubs. And it's, it's the time to shine for these managers and to figure out how to shape their squads. So... We're definitely going to be keeping a close eye on that. And um, it's fun to be back, Chris. It's nice to be able to talk football with you again. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, it's a bit of a shame that it, it seems... Normally when you have the draw, you have that build-up of excitement. And then shortly afterwards, you, you, you have that, that competition or that tournament, you know. So to, to not have it quite as close as one would like is a bit of a shame. But um, it's certainly where the appetite for, for obviously wanting to get back into... Um, watching football again and analysing football again and, and watching the game. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. And um, yeah, who knows? I mean, it's, it's, it's uncharted waters for a lot of these clubs. So um, let's see how well they can do. Man, really looking forward to how things transpire on the continental stage for these Philippine clubs. Uh, um, obviously, we're associated with Kaya, but I am extremely excited to see how UCFC does because... That's the benchmark. That's where everybody wants to go. Play in the Champions League, right? So we're going to chance to see that this year. Uh, best of luck to both clubs. Hopefully, Kaya could uh, spring some surprises. You know, who knows what might happen. If not, there's a good group in the AFC Cup waiting for them. So that is it. Um, we've broken down sort of how things are going to transpire continentally for these two clubs. And we hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did, please do subscribe to the show on YouTube, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. Uh, there have been some individuals who reached out and, and, and expressed their disappointment, Chris, that we have not been around for the last couple of weeks. Uh, to be honest, I appreciate you guys sending that out and, and, and expressing your disappointment because it just goes to show that you guys um, like having your routine on Fridays where you listen to us and have us be a part of that. So uh, that is much appreciated and we hope that there will be no more breaks down the road. All right, so this is it. We're back. Uh, find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. That is it for us on this Football Friday. We'll catch you on the next one.